Good morning, church. First of all, I have to say how much I appreciate Kyle Beard, our middle school minister, for filling in for me last week. I appreciate him. He did a, did a fantastic job, but uh, I missed you. I missed not being here. I missed telling you that I love you and I appreciate you. Now, as I was thinking about that just now, telling you that I love you, I know that I tell you that every week, but because I love you, I feel compelled to confess to you that for years, I've, I've fallen short in something that I ought to have done better at. And that is praying for you. I haven't prayed daily for you the way that I should have. And I want you to know that I am committed to praying for you every single day now. Not just for the specific prayer requests that I'm aware of, but praying for this, that we reflect and that we are renewed by the Spirit of God. And I invite you to do the same. Pray for us. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray that we'll do some sober reflection and experience some spiritual renewal. Be praying diligently for each other. Growing up, I ate a lot of watermelons. I, I ate enough watermelons that if it was true that if you swallowed the seeds, they would grow in your stomach. I don't know if your parents told you that. My parents told me that. If that was true, that probably would have happened. I'd swallowed enough of them. Uh, I, I ate uh, seedless watermelons. I even ate the watermelons, you know, that have the, the orange or the yellow meat. I ate some of those, but I never had a square watermelon, but apparently... If you go to Japan, and you have enough money, I, I understand they're very expensive, but if you go to Japan, apparently you can find and buy square watermelons. Now, they're not like genetically modified or something. It's pretty easy as apparently how they grow them. They just grow them in a clear glass box. They grow them in a clear glass box, and it's obvious why that would make sense to grow a square watermelon, because they stack easier. Round watermelons are probably pretty hard to stack, and it fits better in your refrigerator. So it makes sense why you would make a, a square watermelon and, and how you make square watermelons. As they grow, they slowly take on the shape of their environment. As they grow, they slowly take on the shape of their environment. It's not like something like that happens overnight. You don't put a watermelon vine inside of a box and then the next day, it's a square watermelon. Slowly, they take on the shape of their environment. And maybe you can already guess why I'm saying that to you. Because what is true for watermelons is also true for people in this sense. That as we grow, we slowly take on the shape of our environment. Isn't that true? As we grow slowly, it, it, again, it's not like it happens overnight. It doesn't happen in one day. But slowly over time, as we grow, we take on the shape of our environment. Now, it's really easy for us to say that about other people. And we say, yeah, I know some people who are being shaped by their environment. But a lot of us don't think that that's true of ourselves. We say things all the time like, I think for myself. I think for myself. And I always like to, I, I, 
I wish I had the courage to ask people when they say things like that, did you think that phrase up all by yourself, right? <laughs> did you think, no, of course not. You heard someone else say that. The things that we, we buy, the, the cars that we drive, the houses that we live in, the clothes that we wear, the food that we eat, it's really easy for us to say, advertising doesn't work on me. I'm, I'm too smart for that. I'm not shaped by advertising. I'm not shaped by culture. I'm not shaped by the environment, Hollywood, the news, all of these things. None of these things have an effect on me because I'm an independent thinker. I think for myself. But yet, if we were to think about the words that we say and the way that we think, the car that we drive, the house that we live in, the clothes that we wear, the food that we eat, all of these things are being shaped. We are being shaped by the world around us. And I'm sure if you asked a square watermelon, if a square watermelon could talk, he may not even be, or she may not even be aware of the, the box that's shaping them. And similarly, we're in a glass box and not even aware of the fact that we are slowly, over time, being shaped by our environment. So the question, the question is not, am I being shaped by outside influences? That's not the question. You are. We are. All of us are. That's not the question. The question isn't, am I being shaped by outside influences? The real questions are, who is shaping me? Who is shaping me and into what kind of person am I being shaped? Those are the real questions. The question isn't, are you, are you totally an independent thinker who thinks for themselves and nobody else is shaping you? Of course, that's not really true. You are being shaped by outside influences. The question is, who are those influences? Who is shaping you and into what kind of person are you being shaped? shaped. Because if we were really to evaluate our own life and the trajectory of our life, the path that we're on, some of us are being shaped into people we don't even want to be. Isn't that true? We are being shaped into people we don't even want to be. I've been saying it all for the last several months, and I'm going to keep saying it, that we are what we repeat. You are what you repeat. We are being shaped by the things we repeatedly say, by the things we repeatedly watch, by the things we repeatedly listen to, by the things we repeatedly read, and sometimes we just keep watching it. And we keep listening to it, and we keep reading it, and we keep saying it, and we keep thinking it, and we keep doing it, and we keep going there, and we keep repeating the same things over and over again, and we're being shaped into a person that we don't even want to be. And we look at our lives and we say, I don't like where I am, and I don't like where I'm headed, yet we keep doing the same things over and over and over again, you cannot watch cable news every single day and not be shaped by it. You cannot scroll through social media every single day and not be shaped by it. You cannot listen to the same podcast 
over and over and over again and not be shaped by it. You cannot continually read the same kind of books and not be shaped by them. The question isn't, am I being shaped by outside influences? The question is, who is shaping me? Who am I allowing myself to be shaped by? And into what kind of person am I being shaped? And do I even want to be that kind of person? You're being shaped into someone. You're shaping and you're forming. I don't care how old you are. Your shaping and forming is not over yet. You are still a work in progress. You are being shaped and formed into someone. The question is, who? Who are you being shaped into? And do you even want to be that person? That's what this theme this year is all about, is reflecting on these types of questions. Who am I turning myself over to? Who am I surrendering myself to, to shape me and form me? And into what kind of person am I being shaped? I think Paul's words in Romans 12 can help us so much with these questions. And and, and I I think we ought to reflect on what Sam said in the beginning, that the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans all spell out the, the mercies of God, his grace and mercy, how merciful he has been to us who are sinners. Whether Jew or Gentile, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory and he had mercy on us and gave us the gift of his grace. He justified us by faith. When we put our faith into Jesus, we're baptized into him, forgiving us of our sins, making us whole and forgiven and holy. And then Paul says in Romans 12 and verse 1, verse 1, he he kind of transitions here. It's kind of a hinge verse. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... Therefore, based on everything I've said so far, I appeal to you, brothers, and here's the basis of his appeal, by the mercies of God. I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He says, I'm I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you, I'm appealing to you based on the mercies of God, based on what God has done for you, based on God's grace, based on God's mercy, based on the way he has loved you. In spite of what you've done, in spite of what you've said, in spite of what you failed to do, he's loved you. He's forgiven you. He's made you his own You are his people. You are his children. He's had mercy on you. And based on that, because of that, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's how you're supposed to respond to the mercies of God. And it's no little thing. It's everything. Present your what, church? Bodies. Your bodies. Not just your mind. We'll get to that in a second. Not just your spirit, not just your inner self, not just your faith, but your body. Your body, everything that you are, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, 
your mouth, your masculinity, your femininity, your sexuality, everything about you. Take that, that, that body of yours, that body of yours that's been made holy, that body of yours that's been cleansed, that body of yours that's been forgiven, take that body and give it to God as a living sacrifice. Surrender the whole thing, all of you to him and say, I'm yours. These hands of mine, they're not mine anymore. These ears of mine, they're not mine anymore. These feet of mine, they're not mine anymore. This body of mine, it's yours. The whole thing is a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. From this point forward, it's yours. Do with it as you will. And again, it's easy for us to sit here in church and to say that and acknowledge that and say, amen, amen. That's what it says, Wes. But what about tomorrow? And the next day? And the next day? Will we remember then those hands of yours? They're not yours anymore. They're a living sacrifice. Those feet of yours, they're a living sacrifice. That body of yours, it, it's a living sacrifice. And the motivation to do this, because it's huge, it's huge, it's everything. The motivation to do this is the mercies of God. And if you need a reminder of the mercies of God, and we all do, because we'll, we'll get to tomorrow, and tomorrow we'll think, yeah, but I really want to use my hands for myself. I really want my feet to take me where I want to go. I want my mouth to say what I want it to say. I want my ears to listen to what my ears want to listen to. I want to do what's comfortable. I want to do what feels good. I want to do what gives me pleasure. I don't, I don't want to do things his way. I want to do things my way. Remind yourself of the mercies of God. Go back to the cross. Over and over and over again. And see his hands and his feet, and his side, and his brow that were all pierced for us because of his mercies, because of his grace, how he became a sacrifice. And then says, because of what I've done for you, because I've given everything to redeem you and save you and forgive you, now you present your body as a living sacrifice. Give it to me. And don't we trust him with it? By the way, don't we trust that what God will do with our bodies is better than what we will do ourselves? God knows better what to do with my body than I do. He has better plans for my body than I would have. Surrender it to him. Trust him. Hasn't he proven himself trustworthy? Hasn't he proven himself faithful? that we can surrender all that we are and all that we have to him. So this is Paul's appeal. He says, based on everything that God has done for you, based on his mercies, now you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, or some translations may say reasonable worship. This is the only reasonable, reasonable logical thing you could possibly do based on what God has done for you. And then he tells us what this looks like. How do you do this? Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this what? World. 
Do not be conformed. Again, shaped, molded. Don't take on the form of the world like you're a square watermelon. Don't be conformed. Don't be shaped to this world. And the word world there, the Greek word literally means age. This age. See, because in the, in the biblical mindset, there's this present age, this present world, and all that that entails, and then there's the world or the age to come. So you have this age, this present age, or this present world, and the way things are, and all of their brokenness, and all of their pain, and all of their sin, and all of their shame, and all of their turmoil, and tragedy. And this age shapes and conforms people to look just like itself. And we've been shaped and conformed and formed by this age, haven't we? And he says, no more. No more. Now you take your whole self and you present it to God as a living sacrifice. No more being shaped, conformed, formed to the pattern of this present age. You're, you're a foreigner in this age. You're in exile in this age. You're a, you're a time traveler in this age. You're from the future and you're living in the past. But don't be shaped and conformed to this age any longer. Let me ask you this question. How often do you evaluate all the ways this present age is shaping you? If this is our commandment, and by the way, we'll get to this a little bit more in the next line of the text, but this idea of being conformed is a passive imperative. I know that sounds like useless information, but it's a passive imperative. An imperative is a, is a command, an instruction, do this thing, but it's also passive in that don't allow this to happen to you. It's a commandment, don't do this, but it's not something you do to yourself. It's something that something else does to you. And so if we have this command, don't let this present age shape you. Don't let this present world form you. Don't be conformed to this present age. Then don't you think that we ought to stop and pause and evaluate ourselves and say, how, how would that even happen? How has that happened? How is that? When you see a commercial on TV or you hear a commercial on the radio or you're watching a television show with your family or maybe you're watching the evening news or, or maybe you're, you're listening or watching or seeing something in the world, do you ever just stop and say, what, what sort of a person is this trying to shape me into? If I really bought into this wholeheartedly, what kind of a person would this shape and form me into? Do you ever just stop and look at your life and ask, how is this present world shaping and forming my values? What I want, what I prioritize, what I think is important, the way that I act, the way that I live, the way that I treat my family, the way that I treat my neighbor, how is this present age shaping me? 
I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about me and I'm talking about you. I'm talking about us looking in the mirror and asking, how is this present world shaping me? How is it shaping you? How might it shape you and form you if you're not intentional? This is an imperative. It's a command. Do not be conformed. And the only way we obey an instruction is if we intentionally being conformed. Are you being intentional about this? Are you guarding your heart and your mind against conformity? Continuing on in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Again, passive imperative. I know that sounds silly, but passive imperative. Imperative, do this, be transformed. But it's passive in that you have to intentionally do it, but you don't do it to yourself. Someone else is doing it to you. Be transformed. Allow yourself to be transformed. Allow the Spirit of God. Allow Jesus. Allow the Word to transform you. A metamorphosis. You need to go from who you are to who he wants you to be. And in order for you to go from who you are to who he wants you to be, you need to experience a transformation. And so you're given this command, not transform yourself. You can't do that. You can't transform yourself. That's not the instruction to transform yourself. The, tra the, the command, the instruction is to be transformed. Allow him to transform you. How? I'm glad you asked. Listen, it says, by the renewal of your what? Your mind. Be transformed. Allow him to transform you. Allow the spirit to transform you by renewing, renewing, taking something back to what it should have been or what it used to be. Allow the Spirit of God, allow the Word of God, allow the Son of God to transform you by renewing, taking your mind back to what it used to be, what it should be. The implication, of course, is that you have been conformed to this world. We all have. We've been conformed. We've been shaped and molded. And now the Lord says to us, I, I want to reshape you. I want to transform you. I don't want you to try to transform yourself. You can't do that. Stop trying to transform yourself. I want to transform you. So be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Submit to this renewal process. So here's the next question. How often do you evaluate your life for signs of spiritual transformation? If this is a command... If this is an imperative, if this is something you're supposed to do, be transformed, don't you think you ought to stop and ask yourself, am I doing that? Am I being transformed? Am I a different person today than I used to be? Am I on a path? Am I on a trajectory to becoming the person that Jesus wants me to be? Is my mind being renewed. See, I believe that everything that we do, especially when we come together, that's a good example, but it's not limited to that. 
Everything we do when we come together, when we sing songs, I believe one of the most important reasons why we sing the way that we sing, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, is so that we are transformed by the Spirit's power. This is why you participate in singing, not not because you have such a beautiful voice. You've got a beautiful voice, but that's not why you participate in the singing. You participate in the singing to experience spiritual transformation. And as you sing these words, week after week, month after month, year after year, slowly you are being transformed and renewed in your minds. As you participate in the prayers, as you read the scriptures, as you go throughout your week and you you spend time fasting and praying and singing and fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters and meditating on the cross and the mercies of God, your mind is being transformed. It's being renewed. You say, well, Wes, what if I'm not doing those things? Well, you know what's happening to you then, don't you? You're being conformed. So many Christians today are being discipled by, discipled by cable news and social media and all of these influences that we're just surrendering ourselves to to allow them to conform us rather than rebelling against that conformity and say, I want transformation. I want the Spirit of God to transform me by the renewal of my mind. It's an ongoing process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a one-day thing. But you are what you repeat. And if you repeat worship and praise and meditation, and you read the Scriptures and you dwell in them, and you practice, and you're not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. The Spirit of God is transforming you by the renewal of your mind. And what is the goal of this transformation process? Continuing on verse 2. That, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He says, if you allow yourself to be transformed... And again, it's an imperative, it's passive. You have to allow it to happen to you, but you have to allow it. You have to participate in it. And if you do this, you will be able to test and figure out what is God's will. Not because you have a long list of do's and don'ts. Not because you have a long list of every possible scenario that says, in this situation, always do this. In this situation, never do that. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? To have a long list of always do this and never do that. Paul says, you are being shaped and formed into the person who can tell. What is the will of God? How? I want to be that person, don't you? How can I be that person? Allow yourself to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That over time, as you surrender to this transformation process, through worship, through community, through scripture, through surrender, through giving your body as a living sacrifice. He is transforming you and renewing you into the kind of people who know and do the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
This renewal of the mind, so many times it looks like transformed values. I just want to give you some examples of what conformed values versus transformed values might look like in our world. So first, in a world that values power and fame, Jesus teaches us to value God's glory. Not our glory, but his glory. Not our reputation, not what people think of us, not us being in the limelight, but him. Number two, in a world that values busy self-reliance, Jesus teaches us to value a calm trust in our Heavenly Father. Number three, in a world that values pleasure, Jesus teaches us to value holiness. Number four, in a world that values autonomy, doing what I want to do, being independent from any influences of other people, Jesus teaches us to value community, constantly strengthening the bonds of family and church and community and neighbors. Number five, in a world that values the outward appearance, Jesus teaches us to value truth, not denying or distorting reality, but accepting reality for what it is. Number six, in a world that values comfort, Jesus teaches us to value growth, and we grow the most in uncomfortable situations. Number seven, in a world that values the accumulation of wealth, Jesus teaches us to value generous justice, using what we have, using what we have to help set things right around us. See, this is what it looks like when we allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We don't prioritize things the way we used to prioritize things. We don't value things like we used to value things. We don't change what we're pursuing, what we're looking for has been transformed. So here's the question, and we'll end with this. Who are you becoming? Not who are you. Sometimes that is almost irrelevant. The question is, who are you becoming? What path are you on? What trajectory are you on? In spite of where you've been, in spite of what you've done, in spite of how much you've fallen short, we all have fallen short. The question is, are you surrendering yourself to being transformed by the renewal of your mind? You're being shaped by someone. You're being formed by someone. The question is, who are you allowing to shape you? And what sort of a person are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to surrender for the very first time to Jesus in baptism. And you're ready to become a forgiven person so that you can present your whole body to God as a living sacrifice. Or maybe like most of us, You've forgotten who you were supposed to be. Maybe you've forgotten who you were supposed to be becoming. Maybe you've allowed yourself to be conformed into a person you don't want to be. And you need the prayers and encouragement of your brothers and sisters. Our shepherds meet every Sunday in the prayer room, and they would love to meet with you and pray with you. Or right now, you could come forward as together we stand and sing this song.